fat jokes and so forth all the time I was growing up. But it was uh, something that I just kind of accepted as part of myself. Um, my parents got divorced when I was young, and I was literally the only kid in school whose parents were divorced. And my mom, in later years, feeling uh, guilty, would say, you know, well, I took your father away from you. I don't, uh, I, I didn't want to take the food away from you. Um, sort of underlying her own sort of, you know, issues around it as well. Um, but I, I, I just couldn't stop and I couldn't help myself. And uh, I, uh, you know, people very well meaning. I remember a, a coach saying to me, kid, you got to do push aways. I said, what are those? He said, push away from the table. And uh, it wasn't like I didn't know what to do. I, I certainly knew that uh, this, the formula for losing weight is very simple. I can tell it to you now in two words, uh, eat less. Uh, the problem was knowing it and being able to do it were completely different issues. So uh, it didn't really matter that I understood it. It only mattered that I just couldn't do it. And it was like and sitting in front of me and, well, maybe this time and one more, and suddenly it was, uh, it was back again. Um, there were periods of time I could lose weight, um, but I felt like I was grafting this alien behavior uh, that was so contrary to the core of who I was that I literally just felt the tension building up, building up, building up. And then it would explode in a binge, and I would make up for lost time and inevitably end up uh, gaining more weight than I lost going through the process. Um, so it and, and be humiliated and frustrated and not understanding it and not getting why uh, I couldn't do that and why other people around me seemed to be uh, somewhat neutral with food, um, but I couldn't and I could never control it. And I and it was particularly frustrating because in other areas of my life, I was able to set goals and attain them. And it was like, you know, I wanted to do X, X is over there. Um, I'm here. What are the steps between here and there? Let's figure it out. Let's put a plan to it. And I could, for the most part, something I really cared about, I could figure out how to do. Um, on the other hand, when it came to food, it kicked my ass every single time, over and over and over again. And uh, I don't understand it. I still don't understand it. And the difference today is I don't need to understand it. Um, so I, I, I went through a period where uh, a very well-meaning doctor gave me some uh, what today would be called speed um, to help with the uh, weight loss. It worked great in the sense that I had no appetite. Um, I was flying around the room uh, energy-wise, but I had no appetite. And uh, the problem was, is that even with no appetite, I found myself thinking about food. Um, you know, I would do, I was doing stupid things like one, one meal a day would be a giant salad bowl. And, uh, and I'd be thinking about the salad all day. And well, what if I had just a bite of this? And I, I wasn't really hungry, but this would be interesting. So my head was spinning about the food, which I've later come to learn in program is exactly what the problem is. The problem is in my head. The problem wasn't in the food. It was in my head. Uh, and it, to me, the summation of the whole program is in the doctor's opinion. And the doctor's opinion says that we have a twofold disease, meaning that we have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And the allergy of the body in this sense doesn't mean, you know, breaking out in hives or sneezing from weeds. Uh, it means that, uh, that once I start eating compulsively, I cannot stop that I turn into this eating machine and you better not be between me and the food. Um, it's sort of like the line in Animal House where John Belushi is going through the buffet and the other guy says, yeah, just keep your, uh, your hands and legs away from his mouth while he's eating. And uh, it's like I turn into this completely different animal that's, you know, like 
has to get it in me as fast as possible before somebody discovers what I'm doing, takes it away from me, fill in the blank, because it was all part of the of the allergy, that once I'm triggered and in that spot, I cannot stop. Um, the other half of the disease is the obsession of the mind, which says that people who uh, who are intelligent enough to know that overeating is going to make you heavy, uh, which doesn't take a huge amount of intelligence, do it anyway. Uh, and, and that's the obsession that's in uh, my mind keeps telling me, it's okay this time. This is going to be different. Yeah, it's just a little this. It's just a little that. It's not going to make that much difference. You can do it. Why not? You've been good. Fill in the blank. Um, you know, you, you deserve a whatever a reward or so forth. My, it's a continually spinning, uh, it's a tape loop, although those haven't existed for a while, but I think most everybody here knows what it means. A continuous playing in my head of, uh, of, of this, uh, you know, you got to eat and you got to eat quick and you got to eat a lot and you got to do it, uh, you know, and then cover up the evidence. And uh, so um, it, it drives me to take the first compulsive bite. And uh, Terrell, who I know is here, has had a saying about it's not the thousandth compulsive bite that gets you, it's the first. Uh, and that means a lot to me because I think that's right. Uh, I think that once I start, I'm dead. But if I don't start with the first compulsive bite, then uh, it doesn't become a problem. If it's not an option, it's not a problem. If I don't start, it's not a problem. Um, so I, that's something that I had to learn how to do in this program. And knowing how to do it, once again, uh, is very different from being able to do it. And that's where the steps came in. Um, because uh, I, I had no idea when I came into the program, if you said the first day I was here, why are you here? I would look at you like, is this a trick question? It's here because I want to lose weight. Why else would I be here? Um, the, uh, you know, why, why are you asking me that question? That's a dumb question. Um, today, if you ask me why I'm here, I will tell you I'm here because I don't want to eat compulsively. That's very, very different. Uh, I can even be overweight and not eating compulsively. And by the conversely, I can be uh, a normal weight and eating compulsively. Uh, there are completely different issues. One is the physical behavior. The other is the mental and emotional and spiritual state that I'm in that allows me uh, to make a choice on a daily basis, sometimes a minute-by-minute minute basis, uh, not to start the compulsive overeating because I know that once I start, I'm not going to be able to stop. Um, I, again, had no idea that when I walked in the room. I only uh, There's an expression, I came for the vanity and stayed for the sanity, which I found insulting in the beginning. Uh, and now I find to be an essence of the program, which is because uh, I remember saying to my sponsor, Michael, if he's on, he likes to be shouted out, um, that uh, if uh, I said, you know, I don't feel like I'm insane, you know, I don't feel like my life is unmanageable, a part of the steps. And he said, well, how's the food part of your life? And it was insane and unmanageable. And I had to admit it, but it wasn't something I wanted to do readily. But that's part of the process to do it. So I had heard about Overeaters Anonymous about 10 years before I ever got here. Uh, I just kept thinking, uh, mostly because of my ego, that I should be able to do this on my own, that I don't need to get out and get help, and I don't need to uh, have all, you know, why do I need all these other people around, and, uh, and you know, I'm, I should be able to manly man manhandle it and drag it to the ground like I did with the other goals in my life that I wanted to do. Problem was, is that every time I manhandled it, it dragged me to the ground and then kicked me a few more times, and I ended up gaining more weight, feeling more demoralized, more uh, down, which, of course, made me wanted to eat because I wanted to soothe myself. And it was this incredibly vicious cycle that continued over and over in my head, and I could never break it. And I have a very vivid memory of uh, laying in bed, 
at night feeling this gigantic stomach and thinking, you know what, I give up. Uh, I can't do this on my own. Um, I can't, uh, I can't do it by myself. I've got to do something. I had gone to a nutritionist here and there, and I realized that for a few days after going to the nutritionist, that um, I would, I, I got, you know, I ate pretty nice, pretty well. I thought, you know what, if I go to a, a couple of meetings a week, maybe I'll get a few days each time and I'll be able to do it and that'll get me through it. And so I thought, okay, I'll try it. I, and I was also desperate at that point. I tried everything else, I thought, and nothing was working. So I thought, okay, I will give it a try. It was, this was pre-internet. This was uh, back in 1998. And uh, I called up the OA office and they had a recording of all the meetings listed. I picked one that was near me. It was a Saturday. It was raining. It was dark. It was in the log cabin, which is creepy. I did on a good day. Uh, and it was uh, a speaker I thought was brain damaged. And it was uh, uh, it was really weird. And I was so completely out of there. And a tiny little woman named Doris that the old timers will remember, who was in her 90s at the time, uh, gets between me and the door, sticks her finger in my face and says, don't leave before the miracle happens. And I had absolutely no idea what she was talking about. Um, all I knew was that it was intriguing, and I thought I'd give it one more try. And then the next day, I went to Serenity Sunday newcomer meeting and then the meeting, and it was completely different. It was bright. It was sunny. It was people laughing. It was people with recovery. And I saw uh, someone who had a 350-pound weight loss had had it off for over 20 years, and I never thought it was possible. There was a deep secret part of me that thought, you're never going to be able to do this. You're doomed to do this the rest of your life. You're never going to get free of this. It's just who you are and accept it and move on. And I have a very good friend who's a psychiatrist who was completely well-meaning saying, you know, it's just how you're programmed. Uh, back in the caveman days, uh, the heavier guys made it through the winters and the scrappy guys died off. And, uh, you know, we're all genetically programmed and that's who you are. And I, he meant it out of a comforting aspect, but all I heard was, you know, you're doomed forever. And, uh, and I, I didn't want to accept it and I didn't want to believe it, but I, it, part of me was, yeah, you're, you're just never going to be able to change it. That's just who you are and too bad and get over it. Um, but when I got here, I got some hope. I got to see people who had done things I didn't think were possible. Lots of weight loss, long-term uh, abstinence, and a sort of a lightness about the food that I didn't think was possible. Um, and sort of resented, actually, in the beginning. Um, but I thought, you know, there's something here, and I don't know what it is, but I'm going to stick around long enough to find out what it is. And so I stuck around. And in the beginning, if you if uh, can tell from my sort of goal-oriented uh, speech, uh, I wanted the chips because they gave those at Serenity Sunday. And I want the trophy, and I want to be the poster boy for OA, and I want to show everybody how great I am. And it was my ego doing it, but it was what I needed in the beginning was to uh, – to, to get through that. So I, I got a 30-day chip, and as I was walking up for a 60-day chip, I had one of the great epiphanies of the program hit me, and that was is that I suddenly realized that something that I, it wasn't there, which is harder to realize than something that intrudes in your life, and I thought, and, and what wasn't there was the tension that I used to feel from dieting. I described it earlier about I would build up this tension. It was like a spring winding up inside me that would then explode with this, you know, uh, I have to make up for time. And I take a deep breath. Ah, I can go back to the food. And the tension wasn't there. And I thought, this is extraordinary. I've never in my life lost weight without feeling that spring wind up, without feeling that tension. 
And I knew something different was going on and I didn't completely know what it was, but I knew it was different. And I thought this is, this is, you know, extraordinary. And I, and I still didn't know what caused it. And it was still very new in the beginning. Um, and uh, by the way, I, I didn't say, but 98 is my abstinence date. I have 20, uh, 22 years of abstinence in February 1. But uh, it was because uh, I just was intrigued enough to come back. And I, I remember going to an AA meeting uh, with my sponsor. I'm not an alcoholic, but it's this very strong meeting he goes to. And this old timer there um, says to me, uh, kid, this is a million-dollar program. You get it a nickel at a time. And I didn't quite know what he meant, but I, but I kind of do now. Um, at every level of the program, it, it's something different and a deeper understanding and a deepening of it. And it's not something that I, you know, my initial reaction was, all right, uh, I'm coming in here. How fast can I get it? How little can I give in exchange? And how quick can I get out of here? And that was my attitude, which was, you know, a goal-oriented, cheat the goal, get out. What I came to understand was this is an ongoing process. This is something that is, uh, is something that I learn more the more I put into it and the more I get out of it. And not only that, it's it's almost like an exercise routine in the sense that I have to maintain myself in this condition or I go back to the eating. And I don't want this to sound like this was a, you know, I, I did get struck abstinent as soon as I got in. I was lucky in that regard. I, I haven't had a relapse, but. Uh, I have gained weight in program, and about a year in, uh, my food was getting sloppy. My practice of calling my sponsor was getting sloppy. My step work was a little sloppy, and and suddenly my pants were tight, and and uh, you know I was up, and I thought uh, my initial reaction was don't tell anybody. You know, you got to be the poster boy. You got to show the world that you're the shining example, even though I obviously wasn't. Uh, and I thought you know what, that's the opposite of what I need to do, and I started telling everybody. And the thing about program is that the more I keep inside me, the more I, um, I internalize these issues and these problems, the, the more, uh, the more the tension in the spring starts to build up. And we're, and that, of course, leads me to want to eat to relieve the, the, uh, the tension. Uh, and, you know, sure enough, my weight was creeping up just in little increments. It's a little bit like you're flying from Los Angeles to New York. You're five degrees off course in the first, you know, few hundred miles, five degrees off the next few hundred miles. And pretty soon, you know, you're in South America. And that's where I was headed. And uh, and so by, only by going back to the basics and cleaning it up was I was I able to uh, to change that. Um, the other thing that came out of the program, um, I'll talk for a minute about the spiritual aspect. Um, my um, my mother was was very spiritual, and I always grew up with her talking to me about, you know, a thing. I remember some of her expressions were like, if you're trying too hard to get something, uh, it's a mistake. God has something else for you. Uh, indeed, one of my favorite things from program uh, that I heard years ago was God only gives you three answers. Uh, yes. Yes, but not now. Or, no, I have something better for you. And I find that incredibly comforting. I never had an issue with the higher power. In fact, it was sort of a happy homecoming. I, had, I, I guess I knew somewhere that this was a spiritually based program, but I didn't know that. I didn't remember it when I walked in, and it was sort of a happy surprise. That's obviously not everybody's experience. Some people are atheists. Some people, uh, you know, have very strong prejudices against religious upbringing and so forth. Um, and I, to me, a higher power isn't uh, isn't tied to any particular religion or doctrine or uh, five minutes. Got it. Thank you. Or a power in the uh, sky. Uh, it's tied to um, what I 
feel like is a flow of energy in the universe. It's almost like a, a, a wave or a musical note or a harmony. That's sort of an energy that flows through. And when I can get in tune with the energy and I can float with it, my life gets really good. And if I'm, on the other hand, protesting what's happening and I'm not this and I'm not that and I'm swimming upstream, my life gets really difficult. And uh, virtually every time in my life that something bad has happened to me and I've been upset about it, I found out down the road, maybe years later, why it had to happen for something much better to happen. Uh, it's, it, it, and, and it's helped me get through it. Uh, it's helping me get through this issue right now with what's going on in the world. Uh, I clearly can't control um, what's going on outside. I can't control how fast this disease is going to spread. I can't control that our health system is going to get overwhelmed. All I can control is that I can stay home. I can stay safe. I can uh, be as safe as I can. Nobody can do it 100%. Um, I can, you know, wash my hands, which, uh, you know, I learned how to do. And by the way, for anybody who's interested, there's a great video in the New York Times. I was doing it completely wrong, washing my hands, that the New York Times posted about how to wash your hands and for 20 seconds. It was really, really helpful. Um, and uh, all I can do is, is what I can do. And the rest of it I have to accept and let go of, because otherwise the only person I'm aggravating is me over something that I can't control. And there is not a lot of point in, uh, in doing that. Um, so for me, this is an ongoing process. It's something that I, in the beginning, uh, resented and then came to embrace. And now, you know, think of it like taking a, you know, daily, daily breath to stay in touch with program. Because when I do, my life gets better. When I don't, my life starts to get weird. And, um, and uh, also, I never know when the urges are going to come. They come at oddball times. They're, they're, they, they sort of sit and snipe at me. And, uh, you know, if I stay in good spiritual shape, I'm okay when they come by. I can brush them away. Um, if I don't stay in good spiritual shape, uh, they, they get me. It's like the little Lilliputians in uh, Gulliver's Travel, these little guys, you know, get this big guy and tie him down because <laughs> they can come at me in all different angles and uh, in different ways. And they seem like little things at the time, but it's the little things that mount up. You know, you pick up a few pebbles along the beach, and pretty soon you've got a heavy bag. Um, and uh, and it's, it's, it's difficult to carry. So um, as long as I keep coming back, as long, as long as I do the deal, wait, I'm getting conflicting signals. Now I'm getting five from Ben, but I already got five from Carol. So who am I, Carol, who am I listening to? <laughs> How much do I have? Carol, you need to unmute if you want to. Yeah, I have on my clock 929, so that would give you one minute left. Oh, okay. Ben is giving me a different signal. He just. I see. I'll, 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 I'll wrap it up. Um, we'll go by Carol's clock. She's a secretary and she wants control. So it's good. Um, so let me wrap it up with this. I had a sponsee who had a gift for analogy. He said two things that I, that I still think about. Uh, one of them is if I want to get over an eight foot wall, I can't do it by myself. But if I, I can boost, uh, you can boost me up to the top of it and I can reach down and grab you and pull you over and together we get over the eight foot wall. Uh, and the other thing he said was, uh, I can't stay clean today on yesterday's shower. That's probably one of the favorite things I've heard in program, because it doesn't matter how many years of absence I have. In fact, 22 years can easily make me arrogant. And certainly my head wants to say, hey, you got this now. You don't need all this stuff. Look how long you've been doing it and look how, how well it's working. And you can do it on your own. Um, but it doesn't matter how many years of absence I have. It only matters what I do for the next 24 hours. It only matters that I stay clean today, sometimes the next 15 minutes, sometimes the next 60 seconds. Because if it's really calling me, I have to take it a minute at a time. 
but it passes. I've never had an urge last more than 45 minutes ever. Uh, the most ravenous, I think I'm going to die, I'm going to pass out, I have to eat. 45 minutes later, it's like, eh, I, 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 you know, I'm okay. Um, so I sort of know getting past that is the thing. So uh, let me end with that, and uh, thank you for uh, for letting me share. This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you don't have to identify yourself. Um, so, again, if uh, used, please use the uh, raise your hand icon. There's two screens, so I'm going to cycle back and forth and see if anybody wants to. Um, you can you can uh, try raising your hand as well, but uh, let's see if we've got any. Carol, help me look if you see anybody. Otherwise, it's perfect. Is it Ellen? You want to? You have a question? Okay. I'm, I'm Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. This is Ellen. I'm a compulsive reader. Thanks so much, John. It's so good to see you after so many years. Um, so uh, my question is a two-part. Do you ha um, have anxiety? And if so, how are you specifically dealing with that during this time? And the second part is either way on the first question. Um, if you have other people in your life that have anxiety, um, how is that, you know, how are you dealing with that? Okay, good question. Um, do I have anxiety? Well, I think everybody has some anxiety. It would be a normal protective sort of thing. The question is, um, and there's a quote in the four today that I read maybe in the last few days about, uh, you know, it, heroism isn't the absence of fear. It's the ability to act in the face of it. Uh, so I think it was Mark Twain. Um, it's not that, uh, yes, of course, uh, there's some anxiety around it. And I, I, I'm around people who are anxious. Uh, I, there are two different questions. Uh, in terms of my own anxiety, I'm, I'm pretty zen about this, uh, mostly because for two reasons. One um, is that there's not much I can do about it uh, except my, control my own what, actions and so forth. And as long as I'm doing everything I can, there's not much more I can do to, uh, to take care of it. Uh, and also there's a, there's a great thing that I had I heard, uh, not a program thing, but a, a nice thing about, I'm sure many of you have heard about the monk who falls off a cliff. He's hanging there by a, a branch that's pulling out of the cliff. Uh, he looks down below. There's a tiger. There's jagged rocks. He knows he's going to die. And in a few minutes, and there's a flower, and he leans over and smells the flower. And the purpose of the story is, uh, you know, he hasn't fallen yet. He's still got something beautiful to enjoy in life, and why not make the most of it? So at the moment, uh, you know, thank, uh, thank God I'm healthy. Uh, at the moment, I am controlling as much as I can, and that's all I can do. Uh, with other people, it's a different issue, and I have I, I certainly know people who are quite anxious about it. Not, uh, and it, the main thing that I want when I'm anxious is to know that somebody's hearing me and taking me seriously. And I have to appreciate that whether I'm anxious or not, they are. And it's it's a reasonable thing to do. And just listen calmly, uh, be uh, you know, and sort of say the same kind of things that I just said to you. Look, we can only do what we can do at the moment. Uh, you know, fear and anxiety is usually worrying about something that hasn't happened yet. And as long as I can try to live in the moment, and again, these things are way easier to say than do, but it's a principle to strive toward. And when I can get myself into that space, I can, I can get past it. Okay. Uh, Jeff. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
Hi, thank you, Don. <clears throat> Jeff Compulsive Reader. Could you uh, talk a little bit about the practical side of your program around the food? What do you eat? What don't you eat? When do you eat? Who do you talk to about your food? Stuff like that? Sure. Happy to. Um, so the uh, uh, I eat three meals a day, an occasional snack. Uh, I uh, strive to stop when I'm full. Uh, I, uh, I have never had an abstinence of a particular food just because Coming in, that would have made me just want to crave the food. Uh, and so I eat all foods in moderation. I, I Obviously, if I'm on a weight-losing abstinence, I cut out the obvious things that would uh, that would mean losing weight. Um, and I also have to work on portions. Portions are an issue for me, and night eating is an issue for me. Uh, when I came to program, I would start eating at dinner and not stop till I went to sleep. Uh, and that's the real issue. I'm not as hungry during the day, although I can do just fine. Um, the, uh, you know, I, I generally eat, uh, you know, one of two breakfasts that I make at home that are pretty straightforward, uh, and they're healthy and, and relatively small portions. Uh, a lunch is usually, uh, you know, a salad, a sandwich, something like that. Uh, dinner is more varied, and I just have to be cautious because of that. When I first got the program, I, stopping eating over dinner was like going through withdrawal. Um, I had a sports bottle of water that, uh, that, that I, um, uh, I don't know why I'm looking at you on the screen. I should look at the camera. I had a sports bottle of water uh, that I would keep beside me so I could do something oral while I was uh, while, I, while I was laying there. It helped me a lot in terms of uh, uh, just uh, having something to do. And it was difficult in the beginning, but once my body adjusted, uh, if I pay attention to how much I actually need and whether I'm full, which sometimes pisses me off, I'm full before I want to stop eating. I'm enjoying the food, and I actually get angry that I'm full. Uh, but if I pay attention to it, I get what my body needs to be nourished. Uh, I can do it. So it's all foods in moderation, but it's uh, it's it's three meals a day, an occasional snack, and paying attention to when I'm full and trying to eat consciously. Although that's a challenge because I can go into the unconscious shovel mode uh, very easily if I'm not careful. Ben, well, you have to un unmute yourself. Click the little red microphone, or there should be, if you hover in the upper right, there should be an unmute. Can you hear me now? Yeah, there you go. Okay, sorry, I'm Amish. Um, <laughs> thank you for your service. And my question is, how do you vision your higher power? What is your? Can you describe your higher power to me? Sure. Uh, it's 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 kind of what I said before. It's a it's a rhythm, a wave, a, a flow of energy through the universe that I can choose to ride with or I can choose to fight against. And, uh, you know, when I can sort of surrender to it, meaning not fighting against things that I don't like, um, it's sort of summed up in the 417 of the big book, Acceptance is the Answer to All My Problems Today, uh, and which I recommend to anyone who hasn't read it, or even if you have, I recommend reading it again, particularly today, with the things that are going on outside to accept it. Um, but it's that. It's a sense of almost a musical rhythm, almost a flow of, of a river or of energy that I that I get in touch with. Thank you. Uh, Sarah. Hi there. Um, thank you so much again for your for your lead. Um, I'm wondering um, I'm wondering if you can speak to um, do you find that there's like a direct correlation when you're food feels a bit messy or you're having trouble not eating more than you should or eating things that are are maybe not breaking your abstinence but where you know you're not 
perhaps in your your best place with your eating. Do you find there's a direct correlation between that and how well you feel like you're doing in program um, or how well you feel like things are going on the spiritual side of your program? Um, or can it sometimes just be a, like a fluke? Um, I ask because I'm having trouble gauging what it means when that happens sometimes um, and how seriously to take it or how much to panic. It's virtually always because something's going wrong or, some, or, I'm, or I'm doing something wrong. In fact, uh, I came, I, the food is like a barometer or a thermometer. You know, if, if you take your temperature and it's up, something's wrong. And if my food starts to go up, something's wrong. And it means I need to double down on the program and it needs to, to uncover what it is that's, that's bothering me. Um, the expression that I, that, that in program is, uh, if you want to find out what's eating, you stop eating. And, uh, if, if I, my urges come back, um, I, uh, you know, it, 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 it means something's going on. So in that sense, it's sort of a blessing. It's like I have this built-in barometer to go, oh, okay, something's out of whack. I need to deal with it. Problem is, my head says, you don't need to deal with that. You can, you're, you're just fine. Go right on doing what you're doing. And by the way, soothe yourself. Um, but yes, I agree with that. And the other Sarah had her hand up too. You want to? Hi, I'm Sarah, yeah, I'm a compulsive reader. Thanks for your share. Do you pray? If so, what does it look like? Um, I, I, it's not a, I don't do a formal prayer as much as, uh, I do sometimes. I mean, uh, sitting down before meals, if I can remember to do it, which I don't always, it's, you know, God help us be, help me make this slow and make it enough. Uh, and sometimes the meal's over. Uh, a lot of times I'll say, please remove the obsession, which sounds sort of, uh, simplistic, but it like really, really works when I do it. Uh, if I'm feeling obsessed and my head's spinning, I'll ask for that. Um, uh, you know, I'll do the, the prayers at the meetings. Uh, I, I don't do a, a formal, you know, prayer as a regular routine, but I do a daily 10, uh, 10 step where I go over everything that's on my mind and things that are bothering me and so forth, as well as things that are going well. Let me check the uh, other page and see. Anybody? Uh, yeah, Eileen. Uh, you have to unmute, unmute yourself. Yeah. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Nice to see you. Okay. Oh, my God, you guys. First of all, I just want to say how happy I am to see all of you. I live in Portland, Oregon now, and when I found out this was uh, – I could go on this, I was – I couldn't wait. I love the kitchen sink meeting. Anyway, um, Don, can you talk about having been in program for a long time? Are there challenges that you have after being around for a while to either – keep it new or keep you doing what you got to do to stay on track? Uh, yes. Uh, in fact, um, I asked the very same question as, as I moved along in program and felt that it was getting stale and so forth. Um, the, the main thing that I do to keep it fresh is, uh, is to reach out to other people, is to be sure I'm talking to sponsees who keep me reminded of what it was like and how difficult it is and what it is to have to go through. And I find myself saying things to them that are helpful to me. Uh, it's mostly turning outward. Uh, that's what keeps it fresh for me. If I'm inward, if I'm, then I get into the, I don't feel like doing this and it's about me. If I'm thinking about other people and I'm thinking about what can I do to genuinely be of service, which by the way is very alien to the attitude I came in with, which is, I think I told you was it's all about what I can get for myself. If I, if I make that switch in my head and consciously do it, then, uh, I, the program stays fresh and I'm not there as much for me, although it obviously helps me, but I'm there because I genuinely want to be helpful to others. Great. Thank you very much. Who else do we have? Uh, Julie. 
Um, thanks, Don. How do the traditions um, factor into your program and abstinence? Um, well, the traditions are just, to me, part of the steps and the, uh, you know, working the principles on an ongoing basis that, you know, keeping uh, keeping the idea of anonymity and, again, keeping the focus on other people. Um, you know, I, it, the whole, uh, to me, the, the main thrust of the program is getting out of my head and getting, uh, getting to, because my head is a very dangerous place. And, uh, and so if I can get out of that, if I can, if I can keep my focus elsewhere and the traditions are also, uh, helpful in doing that, going to meetings and, uh, you know, using the tools and so forth, it's all part of the package. Uh, the Joe and Charlie recordings, which, uh, I find fabulous, by the way, these two guys who do a program on, uh, on Alcoholics Anonymous, um, talks about if you're going to make a cake and you leave out some of the ingredients, then, uh, you don't get a cake. And so, uh, if I, um, got it, Carol, thanks. And if I, uh, if I keep, you know, do all the deals part of it, which includes the traditions, then, then I get the result that I want. And again, not perfectly because, we are not saints, as it says. I certainly am not. Other questions? Yeah, Ellie. You have to unmute. There you go. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Uh, thanks, Don. So good to see you and hear you. Um, do you meditate? And if so, do you find yourself meditating more during this period? And what does it do for you? Uh, I actually don't meditate. Um, it's one of those things that feels like I feel like I should, um, but I don't do it other than in the sense that I'm doing a, a daily inventory and I'm reading for today in the morning and, um, you know, doing a few simple spiritual things. It's not something that has ever appealed to me, maybe because of stubbornness, maybe not. Um, and I do the meditations for one minute at the meetings, which are nice, but I don't do it on an ongoing basis. So let me ask a second question. Is there anything that you're doing now that helps you maintain a sense of calm and peace during Uh, this period? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Well, what I'm doing is just working the program. I mean, I'm staying in touch with sponsees. I'm sure I'm I'm happy that they're calling me still. I'm staying in touch with my sponsor on a regular basis. I'm doing exercise. I'm uh, taking getting out in the sunshine and doing a little walk every day. Um, I'm just, uh, and I'm accepting and I'm also trying to stay busy. So I don't just sit here and focus on the, the negative things in life, which I'm fortunately able to do from home. I can work from home. So, uh, I'm able to uh, keep my mind occupied. Uh, I'm getting to spend some wonderful time with my wife, uh, and, uh, loving that. And it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, we're staying in touch with the kids, even though we can't uh, see them physically. We do drive by schmoozings where we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> go over to their house and uh, open the window and talk across the way and uh, just, uh, stay, you know, stay in, uh, stay positive and, uh, and realize I can only do what I can do and uh, have to let it go beyond that. Thank you. Uh, Michael. Hi, Don. Thank you very much. Thanks for reminding me that I have to take a shower today. Uh, anyway, um, so I can be slothful in these times, being at home, and one of the tools is an action plan. And uh, how do you use an action plan or that tool particularly when you find yourself getting a little slothful? 
Well, um, I, uh, I I do try to keep track of the things that I need to get done, uh, whether I feel like doing them or not. Sometimes not, sometimes do. Uh, for, fortunately, I've been able to, uh, as I say, continue working, and I have a whole set of action plans for work in terms of follow-up systems and things that I know that need to get taken care of. Uh, that helps occupy a lot of the time. In terms of the others, it's a matter of, you know, making a list of what I need to do and then just chipping away at it, like, uh, you know, getting food delivered or things delivered these days is challenging. It takes uh, it takes a process and there's things you can't get and it takes days and uh, you know, so that gives me something to, to, to plan for um, as well. But it's mostly just a matter of, uh, you know, I think I would, I'm, you know, making a list when I have, to, when I have want to put some structure to something is a good way for me to do it. And I can prioritize it. Uh, that's also good when I'm overwhelmed because when I put it down on paper, it doesn't look as, uh, as intimidating as it does floating around in my head just periodically coming up. Uh, thank you for being here, and please come back again after uh, we're doing a time minute, Carol. Yes. A time minute of a silent meditation. Uh, Michael, will you please lead us in the serenity prayer? Take it away. Give me the serenity.